0: Time to make a better effort to get those omega-3s? A recent study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition reports some pretty impressive findings. Using data from a long-term study of residents of Framingham, Massachusetts, they looked at lifespan and its association with levels of different fats in the blood. They followed 2,240 people over the age of 65 for an average of 11 years, and here's the big headline. A 1% increase in blood levels of omega-3 fatty acids from consuming more oily fish was associated with almost five years of greater life expectancy. That is similar effect as quitting smoking, which adds about 4.7 years to lifespan on average. Maybe this shouldn't be too surprising, We already knew that omega-3 fatty acids are good for heart, brain, skin, and reducing inflammation. Now we can add delaying all-cause mortality to their list of potential accomplishments. How to get higher blood levels of omega-3 fatty acids? The most reliable way is to consume regularly cold water fatty fish. Hopefully, the researchers will soon test whether supplements can provide the same benefit Walnuts and flaxseed oil can boost levels for those capable of converting plant sources of omega-3s into the kind our body uses, but this is largely based on genetics and age. Quote, what we have found is not insignificant. It reinforces the idea that small changes in diet in the right direction can have a more, much more powerful effect than we think, and it is never too late or too early to make these changes, unquote, said Dr. Salavia one of the authors, as reported by the AAAS's Eureka Alert. The American Heart Association recommends eating a serving of oily fish, such as Alaska salmon, sardines, or anchovies twice a week. I personally struggle to find these foods appetizing, but after seeing these research findings, I'm sure gonna try. Blame Thomas Edison for your abdominal fat, or how to use light exposure to get healthier. Here are some intriguing research findings. People with lighter bedrooms gain more weight over time. People who work the night shift have more metabolic disease. People living in cities with more nighttime light pollution have higher risk of overweight. And people who exercise in the morning in front of a bright light lose more fat than people who do the same routine minus the bright light. Do you find this as fascinating as I do? At first, I couldn't believe these findings, but they start to make sense once you learn about the metabolic implications of the body's circadian rhythms. It turns out our circadian rhythms are like an internal clock regulating the timing of numerous bodily processes kind of like an orchestra conductor cueing each different instrument to come in at the right time during a symphony. Our natural rhythms are optimized for us to do certain things during the daytime, like eat, digest, and be active, and to do different things at night, like sleep, heal, and recover. Until the invention of electricity, our external cues of light and darkness always reinforced our natural circadian rhythms. We were in light during the day, it was dark all night, there weren't too many ways to get around this. This was a good thing because our circadian rhythms kept our bodily processes in sync. But now, according to experts, thanks to modern inventions like electricity, light bulbs, computers, and TV screens, our bodies and brains are getting bright light exposure long after sundown. And this sends signals to our cells that it's daytime, even if it's midnight. This can cause our inner circadian rhythms to get disturbed. Why care? We apparently pay a high price for confusing or disturbing these rhythms. It's like the orchestra conductor cueing the wrong instruments at the wrong times, creating a cacophony instead of a symphony. That's the metaphor used by the authors of an article called metabolic implications of circadian disruption. It has this ominous message, quote, the process of metabolism is under circadian regulation, loss of synchronization between the internal clock and the environmental cues, for example, light versus dark, results in disruption of the circadian rhythms that seriously impacts metabolic homeostasis, leading to changed eating behavior, altered glucose and lipid metabolism, and weight gain. This, in turn, augments the risk of having various cardiometabolic disorders such as obesity, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, and cardiovascular disease, unquote. Another article titled Missing the Dark, Health Effects of Light Pollution states, quote, The 24-hour day-night cycle, known as the circadian clock, affects physiological processes in almost all organisms. These processes include brainwave patterns, hormone production, cell regulation, and other biologic activities. Disruption of the circadian clock is linked to several medical disorders in humans, including depression, insomnia, cardiovascular disease, and cancer, says Paolo sassone corsi chairman of the pharmacology department at the University of California, Irvine, who has done extensive research on the circadian clock. He says studies show that the circadian cycle controls from 10 to 15 percent of our genes, so the disruption of the circadian cycle can cause a lot of health problems. This means we can stay healthier and leaner by reinforcing our circadian rhythms with properly timed lightness or darkness. So the first trick is to reduce bright light exposure after dark, perhaps by wearing blue light blocking glasses if you spend time in front of a screen after sundown, changing screen settings to automatically switch to night mode after sunset, favoring non-screen activities at night, and getting a sleep mask or blackout shades for bedroom windows. The second tip is to get a few minutes of bright sunlight in the morning when it reinforces our circadian rhythms. Between about 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. has been found to be ideal. The payoff may be large. Having a light dark schedule that mirrors nature is thought to help improve blood sugar control, appetite, cravings, energy, metabolism, cancer risk, weight management, and more. All that from some well-timed light. How watching sports affects eating habits and heart health of avid fans. The Olympic Games starts soon, so it's a good time to review some fascinating findings about how being an avid sports fan can influence eating habits and health, for better or for worse. For starters, the outcome of a big game can influence food intake the next day. Researchers followed two seasons of Sunday night NFL games and looked at sales of junk food in cities whose teams were playing. They found in losing cities, sales of high saturated fat foods rose 16% the day following a loss compared to average Mondays. In winning cities, junk food sales decreased 9% the next day. The effect was stronger when the game was close and researchers believe that winning boosts fans' self-control while losing makes fans eat to feel better. You can read more on our links online at the LDN Research Trust website. If that's not wild enough, get this. Avid fans appear to have higher rates of heart-related deaths after a tough loss. Do you remember the huge upset at Super Bowl 2008? I don't, but my husband does. The New York Giants beat the New England Patriots in the final minute. Wanna guess what happened to rates of heart-related deaths in New York and Massachusetts the following week? You probably guessed it. Compared to the same week of the previous year, New York health-related deaths stayed constant. While in Massachusetts, they had a 20% spike. The researchers believe the heart health, or researchers believe the heartbreaking Super Bowl loss was literally that heartbreaking. Again, you can read our, the studies and the links on our online post. But this is one more reason to eat super healthy snacks if you're an avid fan watching your sporting events, because it's literally not for the faint of heart. Today's question is, why are some people so passionate about avoiding GMO foods? Are you and first of all, GMO stands for a Genetically Modified Organism, so GMO foods are crops that have been genetically modified. And the quick answer is, the reason people are so passionate about avoiding GMO foods is the Roundup weed killer. And yes, I am passionate about avoiding them for myself, but here's the long answer. Many people think the main argument against eating genetically modified foods, GMOs, is a general concern about altering DNA, interfering with nature, or making frankenfoods, but that's not really it. What many people don't realize is that a main use of genetic modification is to make crops that are able to withstand a very strong herbicide called Roundup. These genetic modifications allow farmers to spray large quantities of this super strength herbicide to kill nearly everything but the GMO crop that they want to grow. It makes for efficient farming, and because of this, Roundup has enormous use worldwide. So what's the problem? There are several concerns, with differing levels of scientific evidence and controversy surrounding them. But here are a few of the concerns that resonate most with me. Number one, quote, safe, unquote, levels of Roundup were determined based on safe levels of its active ingredient, glyphosate. The safety tests did not take into account the rest of the ingredients in Roundup, some of which enhance uptake of glyphosate. In effect, the safety studies were not measuring the true strength of exposure or the true toxicity. Our online article links to a short video from our friends at NutritionFacts.org reviewing the evidence on this. Number two, glyphosate is a patented antibiotic, so there is concern that it kills beneficial microbes in soil, in our guts, and in our entire microbiomes. According to experts like Dr. Zach Bush, without a diversity of microbes, the soil does not properly regenerate nutrients, is not hospitable to the many organisms, for example, worms that make the ecosystem sustainable, and eventually may throw off the entire food chain. As one example, recent research suggests that glyphosate may be harming bees worldwide by killing their gut microbiomes. Number three. Glyphosate has been shown to break down our gut barriers. Dr. Zach Bush's team has published magnified images of gut barriers breaking down within minutes of exposure to glyphosate. You may recall from previous blog posts that gut barrier function is supremely important to overall health and especially relevant to inflammation and autoimmunity because it determines how much of our intestinal contents enter the bloodstream. If the intestinal barrier can't keep out unwanted substances from the bloodstream, then the immune system may go into overdrive. Via this mechanism, researchers have hypothesized that glyphosate causes inflammation and can contribute to a wide, wide range of modern health problems. And again, our article online links to those articles. Number four, glyphosate has been named a probable human carcinogen by the IARC, which is the International Agency for Research on Cancer, which is the World Health Organization's cancer research arm. Number five, we are finding glyphosate in alarmingly high levels in rainwater, drinking water, and breast milk. Um, We link to a report by moms across America, detailing their findings and their concerns, which are many. Number six, Court cases have revealed that Monsanto, the maker of Roundup, has credibly been accused of ghostwriting favorable articles, influencing government regulatory agencies, and so much other bad behavior that it fills entire books. A recent award-winning book by an investigative journalist is called The Monsanto Papers, Deadly Secrets, Corporate Corruption, and One Man's Search for Justice. One reviewer wrote, readers will be astounded by the depth of corruption uncovered. So if you're like me and wanna err on the safe side, then buying organic foods is the best way to avoid glyphosate. If that's too expensive, you can avoid the highest glyphosate foods by avoiding GMO corn or soybeans or animal foods that were raised on GMO corn or soybeans, such as factory farmed beef. Foods containing oats have also been shown to have higher levels because glyphosate is often sprayed on as a desiccant. This is a highly controversial subject, and some people feel that foods, companies, and chemicals should be assumed innocent until proven guilty, and I agree with that for people, but certainly not for chemicals that I'm gonna put in my body, especially when it's already struggling with autoimmunity. So that's why I indeed am passionate about avoiding GMO foods. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.